Welcome to episode 3 of the EISF in Conversation podcast, where we investigate different perspectives and aspects of humanitarian security risk management. Our aim is to raise awareness of security risk management, encourage a better understanding of what security risk management can achieve, and start conversations in and outside the sector. The European Interagency Security Forum, the EISF, is an independent network of security focal points who represent European-based humanitarian NGOs operating internationally. And in this series we explore how security risk management can enable humanitarian access. My name is Robert Cudmore and in this episode I'm joined by Heather Hughes, the Global Security Advisor to Oxfam GB since 2001. Hi Heather, thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. Hi, it's very good to be able to speak to you today. So today I'm keen to ask you about the role of a global humanitarian security advisor. First of all, what would you say is the role of security risk management in a modern humanitarian NGO? I would say that the role depends to some extent on the NGO itself and what the mandate is and and the objectives of of that organisation. I work in Oxfam and the role of of security risk management is is quite clear for us. It's really about enabling the organisation to meet our mandate and to fulfil our programme objectives, obviously whilst ensuring that we're meeting the duty of care for staff. As it relates to security, obviously duty of care is is a very big um, subject area, but there's one core aspect of it that is around security management for staff. Um, And ensuring that there is an effective risk management framework within Oxfam within all of our programmes and operations. I think those are the sort of core of what security risk management is for us. And how do you ensure that security risk management is embedded and enables programmes rather than preventing access? For me, a lot of that is about our security culture. It's about our values, our approaches, what, how we sort of make, make the organisation work and how we do that across, across all of our programmes. A key aspect of that is leadership and uh, management responsibility to ensure that security management is given a a proper priority, a high priority, and that it's routinely addressed as part of all of our programming and all of our operations. But it's also about creating a collective sense of awareness and responsibility across all staff so that everyone is clear of their role that they have to play in security management. That obviously has to be backed up with training, with the right resources, the right information so that staff can fulfil their their roles and responsibilities and so on. And also, to some extent, having the right oversight of security management and of how security is operating in in Oxfam. For us, it's generally that security functions are advisory and they are advising management to make the decisions. So it's really being clear that security is a management function and is is supported in the right way to, to make that happen effectively. And while we're improving coordination between security risk management and programmes, how can we break down the silos and NGOs between security and advocacy, the protection of aid workers and improved access for humanitarian programmes? Again, in Oxfam, advocacy is is really a core part of the kind of programming that we do. So we shouldn't be seeing it as something separate or different I know that is difficult. There are lots of parts of particularly larger organisations that that do work in silos. 
at head office end, it's very much about trying to be involved in the work of the advocacy team, getting involved in their meetings and their planning processes and their discussions and so on. And really getting them to recognise that security risk management is helpful to their work um, and helps us move that work forward uh, across all of our programmes. And whilst we don't want to treat them as a separate entity or, or, or create even more silos, that we need to work a bit more on providing them with specific tailored tools and resources that that help help us to work through the sort of specific risks around advocacy that we might have in, in the organisation or that, around that kind of programming. So maintaining the, the focus on advocacy sounds like a, an ongoing thing. What does an average week look like for you if there is such a thing? I think no, no week is average. It can range from proactive work to, to reactive work. For example, I could be travelling to a country to support review of their security management approaches and systems. I recently travelled to Pakistan to work with the team there on looking at how they assess risk and uh, working with them to help them understand the organisation's risk appetite and how we how we manage risks and how we can scale up in areas that are potentially quite difficult to work in. So I could be doing that. I could be doing policy development. I could be working with teams to assess new locations that Oxfam might be working in, working on organisational change, or working within different departments at head office. For example, working with the advocacy team or the media team, working with them to think through how they're work might impact on field teams and our operations in the field. And then if a serious incident happens or a crisis happens, then obviously that becomes the priority and it takes over in terms of anything else. I'm sure it'll be no surprise to people that uh, your role is fairly diverse, but what would you say are some of the key challenges you face in your role? Some of the key challenges, as I just mentioned, are really around the competing demands, the reactive work versus the proactive work, wanting to get things done, but then having to um, constantly react to things as they happen. The sheer volume of work, it doesn't ever get any any less. And then working across the organisation, um, as I said earlier, with, with different teams, different parts of the organisation, different um, parts of Oxfam's programme, there's different understandings of, of security risk management, different emphasis on it. Although the organisation overall takes security very seriously, some teams are less familiar with how we do that. And um, so that, that can be difficult. And then just getting the balance right between the risk to staff and having an effective delivery of our programmes. So in your opinion, why do staff feel security management is about being risk averse instead of being something that enables programmes? I think in many of our programmes and many of our locations, all of them really, our staff are very dedicated. Um, there's often a humanitarian imperative that we that we really need to deliver our programmes. We want to help beneficiaries. That's why people work for an organisation like Oxfam. Um, and sometimes those priorities take over other priorities or, or are seen as, as a higher priority. Um, so it's really about getting people to see that um, with good security risk management in place, that actually helps us achieve our goals and our aims and our and meet our, meet our objectives, rather than it um, uh, stopping us from doing things or holding us back from from doing things. Particularly in the very high risk locations that we're working in, we can only be there 
and we can only deliver our programme because we have a good approach to security and security risk management. If things start going wrong, if um, if there are difficulties, if there are increasing numbers of incidents, then that obviously calls into question for us um, whether we can stay somewhere or whether we need to think about other ways of delivering programmes. For an organisation as large as Oxfam, clearly it's possible to have dedicated security staff. Should and indeed can a smaller NGO be expected to include security risk management? Definitely. Security risk management is not optional. It doesn't depend on the size of the organisation. All organisations need to be thinking about it and need to be practising it. Obviously, the larger organisations might have a different structure or a different way of resourcing it, but even for a smaller organisation, the organisation needs to be thinking about who within the organisation should have those responsibilities. And maybe it's spread through a few different people or there are different ways of looking at it, but it's not something that you can choose to do or not do. It's something that you have to do. Okay. Well, finally, I'd just like to ask you about the advice you'd give to someone who's interested in this type of job. For instance, uh, what skills or experience do they need? Uh, what would you be looking for on a CV? And ultimately, what would you say to people thinking of getting involved in humanitarian security as a career option? I would be saying it's a very interesting career option, lots of scope, lots of different types of organisations you could work for, different places you could work in. The key thing for me is to get some country-based experience, preferably with an NGO. It doesn't have to be in security. It can be in programme management or logistics or other types of experience. And another key area is that many military and police, people with military and police backgrounds apply for work in security. And in terms of what I'm looking for in a CV, it doesn't automatically give you the right set of skills uh, just because you have that kind of background. You also need to be able to demonstrate that you not only have the technical understanding and expertise and the practical experience of security assessment and planning and implementation and risk management, but that you also have very good analytical skills and the ability to you know, work across different cultures, but also strong ability or ability to advise, to consult, to influence. Often we're looking for people who have some experience of training and delivering training in, in field situations. And then also really, really key is to, to be able to demonstrate that you understand the importance of humanitarian principles and values and that you're aware of the importance of gender in the work of organisations like Oxfam. Right, well, that's interesting. I'd like to ask, if you don't mind, how you got into your role? I started working for Oxfam in 1994, and I worked as the desk officer for Bosnia and Albania, and then subsequently went to work in Bosnia as a programme manager. And that, so that was my first experience with Oxfam, my first field experience with Oxfam. And then I continued in various roles in the Balkans through the Kosovo crisis as well. Having worked in Bosnia, I became quite interested in security. At the same time, really, that the organisation was becoming more interested or more focused on what good security management would look like. And they, Oxfam then decided to have a role and decided that they wanted somebody who understood the organisation and the organisational mandate and perspective more than the traditional, say, military skills. And, and that's how I got into security management. And never looked back. Never looked back. Well, it's been great to speak to you today. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to give to anybody trying to juggle 
risk management with what they're uh, trying to achieve. Just that security risk management is there to enable our programs, and if we haven't got time to do it well, um, then what have we got time for? If we're not safe and our staff are not safe, then we cannot help the people that we're here to help. Heather Hughes, thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about Heather Hughes and Oxfam GB, find them online at www.oxfam.org.uk. That was episode three of EISF In Conversation. Make sure you join us for episode four, when I'll be joined by Craig Grice, security advisor in Iraq for the Norwegian Refugee Council. Meanwhile, if you have any thoughts about this episode or would like to know more about the series in general, you can contact us at eisf-info at eisf.eu or simply visit www.eisf.eu. I'm Robert Cudmore. Thank you for listening.